you've come to the right podcast. This is an amazing interview with the head track and field coach of Sam Houston State University, David Self. David is so humbling here. What I'm just... I'm humbled that he would share his story with us here. This was recorded live in a Starbucks at the NCAA Championships uh, on our group Beyond the Track on Facebook. If you are a collegiate track and field coach and you are not a member of Beyond the Track on Facebook, I want you to hit pause right now. Head over to Facebook, search Beyond the Track, get in there, get value, give value today. Right before we get into this awesome podcast, let's do a 30-second commercial and then get to it. Hey, good morning. Uh, Beyond the track, this is really, really awesome and special. This is two days in a row we're going to have interviews uh, as we continue to flush out and uh, develop Beyond the Track. Uh, this is a key component, I think, uh, for me, my opinion, is to get fellow coaches out there to uh, have real frank and, and uh, honest discussions about uh, what they're going through and what they have been through so that we can expand the, uh, the knowledge and network of everybody around. So you have seen in the, uh, com- or in the uh, title here, we've got a, another great coach, another good friend of mine. I've known uh, David Self for... I'm going to go ahead and say 20 years, probably just under 20 years, Uh, but we're really excited here to have David Self with us here. David, thanks for joining us, man. Good morning, Mike. Great to be here. Absolutely. Uh, So we're we're kicking it uh, real uh, old school. We're we're in Starbucks, baby. There you go. (laughs) Nothing fancy here. No studio. You see, we've got different artwork today. We are in a different Starbucks, so at least I'm expanding my my horizon. So if you've seen any of our other interviews, you know it's a a three-part interview. Make sure we get everybody seen here. Uh, David and I know each other, so we can get close here. So uh, it's a three-part interview, so we'll go over an intro origin story here to learn more about David for you guys that don't know him. Uh, And then we'll go into uh, a very unique aspect uh, of David. And today, uh, this is a very um, sensitive topic. uh, First, I'm going to say thanks before we even get into what we're going to talk about, David, that you are open to having this discussion. This is not easy. I don't think a lot of people would necessarily bear their heart to the, you know, literally millions of people that will watch the millions. Uh, but several hundred will we'll sure. see this. And more importantly, I think out of the several hundred that will see this, uh, it's going to help someone. I, someone is going to be affected positively by uh, so. by today's story. I so. And I, so I, I wish, before we even start, I just want to say I appreciate you uh, uh, just being here and, and talking about what we're going to talk about. And then, of course, our last part is a, um, I'm trying to find a better way to, to uh, title this little part of the interview, but the problem, what is what is something that David's struggling with? That's more of what it is. What is David struggling with that maybe the uh, greater community here has either gone through or um, has seen it or is going through, and you guys can take it offline, and uh, David will um, he'll talk about his email address or phone or whatever he feels most comfortable. You guys, uh, anybody contact him, and we'll uh, have it in the comment section uh, as well. So, hey, David, again, thanks for joining us. Uh, you know, we're here in Sacramento. Uh, pretty big meet that is the national championship, yes. not regionals. So you're here with uh, with your team. So I appreciate you taking time out to join us. Uh, so let's uh, just start it off. Tell us kind of your um, your comic book origin story. You know, Batman had his parents killed in front of him. Sure. I hope that's not part of your origin story. Yeah, no, no, so no. How did you get into coaching? Why did you get into coaching? And how are you where okay. you are today? As well, a coach? as any you know, young high school athlete in Texas, I was a football player. You know, yeah, that's, that's right. That's I think that's long. I think it's yeah, all that it's just, yeah, you have to. Um, and uh, my sophomore year in high school had a fairly, I wouldn't say traumatic, but serious uh, hand and arm injury where they always told, hey, you probably shouldn't play football. You had a chance to damage that wrist again. You may lose some of the use of it. So, what, what position were um, you? Um, well, back then, um, this, is, <laughs> this is a long time ago. Yeah. Um, I was. Uh, we ran a we ran a five-two defense. Nobody does that anymore. Oh yeah. And I was a uh, uh, outside, really strong safety, weak. Linebacker, okay. defensive end kind of guy. Okay, all right. Yeah. So, so defensive line. De- defensive line, but yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Hybrid, yeah. yeah okay. hybrid. So you got hurt. Uh, they yeah. said cut that crap out. No more football. Yeah, there's this chance. And, and uh, they didn't make you move out of Texas. No, they didn't. They didn't. <laughs> you know, so. Uh, and, uh, you know, so I, I 
played baseball. My dad was a baseball player. That was kind of his first true love. Um, you know, I was I was pretty good at baseball. I was a pretty athletic guy. I mean, I was I was you know uh, I was fast. I could do things. I was very big. You know, and fit. But uh, you know, I couldn't couldn't hit a curveball. So I didn't. <laughs> That's a problem. I didn't see a number one pitch for you know the entirety of my baseball career. Right. Everybody knew. And then just track is something I loved and. Had been running track ever since I was in junior high, right. and uh, got fairly decent at it my sophomore year, and then got pretty good near the end of my senior year, and uh, yeah, I ran 13.90 in high school, and oh, uh, wow. so I had a chance to to go to school and, and run track. School? So yeah. Connor High School. Where'd you go to undergrad? Oh, uh, Lamar University. Yeah, is that yeah. Uh, Lamar the, University the card in Beaumont, Texas. Yeah, I know uh, Trey Clark. Yeah, real well. Good friend. He and I Absolutely. ran together in college. So yeah. my yeah, Trey and I talk about that. once a week. That's pretty cool. He's a good dude. I like him very much. Uh, so you go to Lamar. What do you major in there? Well, there, there's another interesting <laughs> turn. Um, my original career plan was I was in the Marine Corps and I was going to be a pilot, so I was getting an engineering degree. Really? Yeah. Wow. And uh, something that I'd wanted to do my whole life. I was a gyro head, that's what I wanted to do. And um, two major things happened. Um, second semester of calculus and um, and then... I think a lot of us have that experience. Yeah. And then my eyes started to go bad. And, uh, you know, yeah, Uncle sure. Sam doesn't give yeah. you a $40 million jet unless right. you have perfect vision. Right. So... I spent probably a semester and a half, kind of like, all right, what now? Okay. Um, but uh, it, and it all worked out in the end. Okay. Um, ended up getting a, a kinesiology degree. Okay. Kind of leaned more towards the exercise fizz end of it. And, Did you uh, start changing your thought to being a coach at this point? No, or was not it yet. Still like Actually, I don't know what um, I'm going to do. When I was, you know, back back in the dark ages, when I was in college back then, um, corporate fitness was really, really huge. And that's what they were kind of pushing the people that I didn't want to be a high school teacher. Okay. And in Texas, you know, you have to be a teacher and right. a coach. Right. And then I really, you know, I thought about that, but I really didn't want to do it. Um, the, the market was pretty heavy. It was flooded. It was kind of a little tougher to get a job back then. Okay. So corporate fitness was really taking yeah. off, especially, you know, we were in the greater Houston area. Right. Right. You know, you had some people investing a lot of money into that. Yeah, lots of corporate. Yeah. Right. And then... Um, I graduated and I had a year of eligibility left, and so I was in graduate school, and I was teaching in the Kines department uh, as a graduate assistant and still running. Well, when you kind of looked at all those things together, they were like, okay, the money you get from a GA, you've got your athletic scholarship. They, they, when you put them together, they're more than a scholarship's worth, yep. so you have to choose one or the other. Um, I had not had the most successful college career at the end of my career. I'd been hurt okay. several times. Right. And just, uh, I love track and field. Right. Um, didn't want to be done with it, but, um, you know, I was, I was married at the time, and so, you know, I made more money as a GA. Right. It, right. And so I chose to yeah. go the GA I'm route. Walking the road. Now yeah. You had to go this and way. And so I chose the coaching route. end of it, and that's when I absolutely, I found something that I just, yeah. I fell in love with it. it no, um, that your parents weren't coaches or anything like no, that? No, actually. You had no real, besides your high school coach and your I had a great high school coach. Like, uh, Nobody pushed me Yeah, yeah, no, right, right, right. No, so this no, is your no, right. first four, right. Yeah. Awesome. So how did, what did that play out to? So where did, did you go straight into coaching after that GA? I did. Well, I was, I mean, I was literally at Lamar, um, and, and this came down in December, and um, so that was my first year of coaching. I was there in the spring. Um, and finishing coaching. What, what time frame? What year are we at? This is uh, the spring of '92. Was okay, my first so really semester as coach. Yep, yeah. Got it. Got it. And I, uh, you know, I just kind of took over the, the hurdling coaching duties for both the, the men's and women's programs there, and uh, just like I said, fell in love with it. I instantly loved recruiting. I loved talking about yeah. our program and the things that we do. Well, it, it was your alma mater too. It was my alma mater like, as well. So I, that was. I always like, there's several coaches out there that I get to talk with who are coaches at their alma mater, and that's mm -hmm. always special to me. Sure. It's one thing, when I coached at Mississippi State, and I love, and I'm kind of like a, I consider, and they consider, a plus that they consider, I'm like an unofficial alumni there, but I still didn't go to school there. Absolutely. Now, the head coach there, actually the head coach, uh, at least one of the assistant coaches, uh, two assistant coaches, they all went to school there. Mm -hmm. They bleed at Mississippi State. 
I did, and I fled Troy University. Sure. So when I, you know, there's a guy, uh, Lonnie Pugh, up in uh, Michigan State. He, he okay. threw at Michigan State. He's mm -hmm. the throws coach. And it's, like, you just tell, like, when they're recruiting, when they're talking to a recruit, and they're like, hey, Michigan State is the greatest school in the world. Well, you know how I, you know why I can prove that? Because I went to school here. I had choices, and I chose here. So I always like that. Absolutely. Thing. So uh, Lamar, where do we go after Lamar? Um, from Lamar, I ended up... Um, long story of things. My wife at the time, um, she became pregnant with our son. Okay. And she... That's a big deal. Yeah, very big deal. Yeah. And so she really wanted to be close to her family, well, okay. her child. Yeah. And so um, I moved to the uh, Houston area and, and I taught public school for a year. Okay. Um, and, and decided that was not going to be my course of... Because of teaching. Because of teaching and yeah. I just, my heart wasn't in I wanted yeah. to be a college coach. Mm -hmm. Um... And from there, uh, I had a chance to go back to graduate school at Sam Houston, okay. and so um, I, I secured a GA position there. Same thing, I was GAing with track plus GAing with uh, the kines department. Right. So you're trying to scrap together any kind of. I'm just trying money to make money. And I'm pay, sure your yeah. GAing wasn't paying you. GAs no. now don't get paid a ton necessarily. No. I, you're I was, getting scraps. At this yeah. Point. I would, Telling uh, my staff is when I was a GA, I used to go, I used to stock shelves at Sam's Club, which those of you that don't know, it's like a Costco. Yeah. And so from, and I'm not kidding, from 3 a.m. to 7 a.m. I stock shelves. From 3 in the morning to 7 in the morning, you were stocking shelves. Like, and this is a warehouse. So this ain't a warehouse. This ain't your local. No, this store. is. Yeah. This is, okay. <clears throat> yeah. 7 a.m. You went to bed. And uh, uh, look, I didn't go to bed. No uh, bed. Okay. Uh, so, and then from 7 to 7.30, I would drive up to San Jose State. From right. 7.30 to about 11.30, right. I was either teaching morning Kines fitness for living classes right. or working in the Kines department, setting up for the Ph.D. instructors in their classes. Right. You know, doing, your job. Doing, doing your job. Doing my job. Right. <clears throat> Grab a little bit of lunch. Um, and then at usually about 1.30, I was on the track uh, with the team from 1.30 to 5, 5.30 as right. we were out there, and I had class from 6 to 9, okay. and I would drive home, sleep for four hours, wake up, do it again. Uh, you're married. And I'm married. And uh, is the kid born at this point? Uh, What's the kid's name? Yes, uh, Logan. Yeah. Logan, okay. His name is Logan. Logan yeah, yeah. Logan's born. He was, he, a, he was a few months old at this oh, point. Oh, yeah. man. A few months old at this point. So you're, I mean, that's like the definition of hustling. You're, uh, you give such a... Uh, want and craving to coach. This is what I got to do to get into. Yes, that. Okay. exactly. So that works. You, you get a job somewhere. I get a job. Somewhere. Okay, where from at? there, um, I get hired at Garden City Community College. And it, and so that's where Dave and I met. We were both yes. JUCO coaches in Kansas. And if you know, and it's different today, but if you know yeah. nothing about the Kansas JUCO system, that's where you cut your teeth as there a coach. That is the you. wild, yes. wild west. So you go to Garden City, which is a metropolis. Uh, there yes. might be more people in the Starbucks than there are in Garden City. Well, I, I, I say this all the time, and, and I, I'm very good friends with Doug Marshall out at Garden City Community College now. He's yeah, a great yeah. guy. Um, at Garden City, we had about 30,000 people in town. I but we, that big. Yeah, it's, it, was a, yeah. it was a fairly large for Western Kansas. Yeah, but yeah. we also had 130,000 head of cattle in town. <laughs> Just, yeah, go ahead with that. Y'all yeah, figure that out. But it was a great place. Yeah. I learned a lot. How long were you at Garden City? Uh, I was there from 96 okay. until 2002. And were you the assistant the whole time? The head well, the whole time? I was hired as the assistant. Right. And uh, Dion Lampy, who hired me there as the assistant, got, he went back to Texas. I, I moved there in August. And then in December, he got a job back in Texas. And I was there. All by my lonesome. Yeah. <laughs> in Western Kansas. Yeah. And so you took over as the head coach. Then. Took over as the head coach. So you were essentially head coach. head coach for six years? About that, yeah. 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 Right at seven. Okay. So. so, O2 was your last year at Garden State? Yeah, O2 was my last year at Garden State. And then back to St. Houston? And then, well, no, there, there's a little okay. hiatus in there. Right. That's what we'll get to okay. in the, the touchy yeah, part yeah, there. Absolutely. So, um, had some major life changes that happened, so I had to figure some things out. Came back to Texas, um, was out of coaching for about 18 months. Okay, what'd you do? <clears throat> Stock shelves at uh, Costco Sam's? Well, the first thing I did is, um, is after I got back to Texas, I... Uh, Walked into a Lowe's and said, I need a job, and they hired me, and I drove a forklift. Yeah, nice. 
That's better than stocking shelves. Better than yeah, because I was, I was pulling stuff out for the other guys yeah, to stock right. shelves. You know, <laughs> I drove a forklift at Lowe's. Um, I had some friends that had gotten out of coaching and were in the uh, the mortgage and refinance industry, and they told me, "Hey, you can do this. You can do this." So I did that for. I guess probably six or eight months, and uh, I, there's a funny story. I was going to ask you, how did that how did that hit your passion versus coaching? Oh, I hated it. I hated it. Uh-huh. I've never, ever had to sit on the edge of my bed, put your tie on, talk yourself in. You can do this. You can do this. That's Go to work. The bulk of guys get into coaching, specifically yeah. track. They don't want to wear a tie. It wasn't that. It's just I hated going to work. And, you know, and that's the shame is I make, I make buku's a month. I mean, it was when the, uh, you know, good or bad, you know, oh, yeah. I kind of I helped crash the economy. Right, right. I was working on the B paper side. Right. I was doing, I was writing subprime loans to people. And I just, I, I was literally like, I hated what I was doing. Yeah. It wasn't fun. And uh, I had some buddies. Uh, I, I can remember because I was working in the gallery area of Houston. Oh, yeah. um, I'm in a beautiful area down yeah, San Felipe Boulevard. I'm on the 34th floor of this beautiful building. It's a beautiful late March, early April day, and my cell phone rings. Okay. And it's a buddy of mine um, from the Air Force Academy, Scotty Stephan. Uh, yeah. And he's Scotty's sitting great. at the pole vault at Texas Relay. He's like, man, I'm looking for you. Where are you at? Mm-hmm. He's like, I'm not coaching. I won't be right. there. And then, yeah, I can tell you alone. <laughs> yeah, and, and yeah, I can tell you alone. And he's like, oh, man. And then uh, I forgot who the other person, but literally the same day, someone else called me and said, man, I'm looking for you. Where you're at? And I was, I'm, at that point, you take it I as a sign? I was like, dude, what am I doing here? What am I doing? Yeah. You know, and. Someone's uh, calling you going, dude, write me alone. Like, what, hey, let's go do alone together. <laughs> yeah. It's like, why aren't you out here at the pit, at the sand pit? Yeah, yeah, right, right, right. So, uh, and, and I, I just knew, I was like, I, I don't know what I'm doing here. I need to get right. back into it. And uh, so there was a job at San Houston State that I'd applied for previously but did not get. Okay. But it came open again. And I applied for it again. And then like every coaching job out there, I got it because of who I knew, not because of how good a coach I was. Mm-hmm. I had enough buddies that knew Curtis Collier, who was the head coach there. I got hired as the assistant at San Houston in uh, 2004. 2004, okay. Yeah. All right. And, and that you, from 04 to today, that's where you've been? That's where I've been. You've been, I've been at San hired Houston. as the assistant. Hired as the assistant. You're now the head coach. Mm-hmm. When did that happen? Um, summer of 2009. Okay, so about five years then. Yeah, I was, I was the assistant for five years. Yeah. And now nine years. And then now nine years as head coach. So before we move on to the next uh, section here, so interesting, and I know you were the head coach of Garden City, but different than being the head coach of a four, not only a four-year institution, but a division oh, one yeah. institution. What differences have you seen as the assistant to you as the head? Meaning workload, uh, how much percentage do you actually coach versus in the office, yeah. especially in today's world where the rules are changing. Absolutely. Every day there's more people. Um, and have. to be honest, and, and just, I love what I do. I enjoyed being an assistant more than I enjoy being a head coach mm-hmm. because when you're an assistant, not that you don't care about anybody else, but you live in your little world. You're training group. This is who we're doing. Right. You know, and if somebody else has problems, yeah, it's a drag, but it's not your problem. Got it. Whereas as the head coach, my problems are my problems, and everybody else's problems are my Right, well, you're overarching umbrella. Exactly. Oh, and just so the, the administrative and the uh, you know the duties that come with being a head coach, I'd rather be on the track, riding training, working with kids, right. you know, or out recruiting, and I don't get a chance to do that as much. How much? Don't compare this to Garden City because I know sure. how much paperwork no, yeah. we did back then. Uh, but how much paperwork difference is it today, specifically as the head coach, versus ten years ago? Oh, exponential. Is that right? Yeah. Um, well, I mean, I, I'd say this is it, it. Paperwork is you know just nomenclature, but because um, we're going electronic, but just yeah, how you much know you have to keep up with right, stuff, right. and the amount of in the you know living a society we live in, you know everybody having to you got to make sure every T is crossed and every right. I is dotted, and that all comes back to my desk now. Just. Yeah, between right. playing practice That's along a great between, um, yeah. you know, between um, uh, competition records right. and, you know, every single official visit has to be 
signed in triplicate by me. Every single purchase order, every single you have to log. Do you have to? I came here to the Power Five thing, or only or all divisions. Do you have to submit the practice log in advance? That's in Division One, and you can't change it within no, 24 you, hours or something. No, okay, um, so it's not that strict. That maybe. What what we do is we go through and we're allowed, and, and it's an electronic now, so it's made it much much easier. Right, right, right. Um, right. Is you know we have to keep up with everything that we do. This track and field for like. Right. Um, and you have to be able to differentiate between, okay, well, that was just a general meeting, so I don't have to count that one. Well, this is a meeting that had to do with practice schedules and what we were doing, okay. so I needed to keep up with that. Right. So, um, Interesting. So it's all done electronically, so that is right. easier in that respect. Right. Um, but at the same time, you know, it all comes back to my desk. Right. And, right. You to, right. and you're... You don't have call logs anymore, right? Everything's through like an app. Everything's through an app. Yeah, that'd be awesome. That's yeah, the worst thing I hated doing was yeah. call logs. <laughs> and those things, those things have eased up a little bit in that you don't have to log every single phone call, even though we do. It's through our app on your phone. Yeah. Um, yeah, because now you have unlimited, right? Yeah, you have yeah. unlimited calls. So now it's more logging, like in case you got in trouble and they need to come back and look exactly. at your log. Exactly. They come back and look at your log twice see. a week. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Okay. Well, that's super interesting. Then, um, and maybe one day we'll do an interview. And talk about just the rules. That could be literally just for my own education because it's oh, changed dramatically since uh, now I'm the old guy because I haven't coached in 13 years, man. It's, it's amazing. It's so funny. Literally, it's been 13 years since I coached, and uh, and I have now former athletes that are coaching and things like that. And they ask me, he said, "What do you think about this on the hurdle?" And I'm like, "Man, I." You know how most people say I've forgotten more than you know. I have just forgotten. I just forgotten. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing left, man. Yeah. I know what's fast is. That's about it. Uh, so hey. We're going to get into the next section here, and this is uh, the section for the coaches that is unique about them. Uh, I'm going to preface this, uh, not with a warning, but that uh, this is very, very sensitive, uh, not confidential. He is, uh, we talked about this before, that he's a complete open book here, uh, but this is something, this is really at the meat of why I started this group. Uh, there are so many resources out there for you guys and gals on how to make a better 10K runner, how to triple jump further, etc. Uh, I haven't seen anything specifically for coaches on mental health, physical health, financial health. So you've seen that's the kind of uh, articles and such that uh, that I post on there. So today, David, uh, David's volunteer is willing to talk about something very sensitive. Dave is, uh, is actually on his second marriage. Um, has one child, Logan, and we talked about the kid, Logan. <laughs> uh, but Dave uh, went through a divorce. He uh, alluded to it a little bit during his origin story that when uh, he went to the, um, about the financial side, the loan side, that was uh, as he went through the divorce. And he attributes, uh, and I'm going to let Dave talk here, uh, but he attributes that divorce uh, to this hustle and grind and uh, 100 hour weeks that we do as coaches. So Dave, maybe kind of give us a, just a cursory of not what led up to it, uh, but what you're willing to share on how this all went down. And once again, I, I, and, and I know this, I don't want this to be uncomfortable for you. I'm very comfortable talking about this. Sure. These are things that uh, my ex-wife and I are very good friends now. Okay. We, it's a, it was, a, it, when it came down to it, it was an amicable divorce. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we, we made some decisions about how we acted towards each other for the benefit of our son. Yeah. Which, uh, oh, add for, that to the For two very immature people at the time and what we were doing, yeah. I think was a very forward-thinking, yeah. mature decision on our part that, that I'm proud of. That shows your inner yeah. voice. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, um, you know, uh, we didn't get a chance to talk about this on the way up, but, okay. you know, uh, my former wife and I also ran track together at Lamar. Uh, yeah. Okay. It's, 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 it's kind of an it's interesting... It's all track. Yeah, it's all... Yeah, oh, yeah, we keep it, you know. Um, but, you know, it was one of those... Um, she was a couple years younger than I was. I was near the end of my track career. Um, and she came in. We felt deeply in love. And, you know, and just one of those immediate boom, we knew this was going to happen. I had a very long... Um, Engagement. Yeah. I promised my dad that I would graduate before I got married, sure. and so it was about two, almost three years in there okay. before yeah. we actually got married. And uh, I, I graduated and I was starting grad school, and um, you know, 
things went well. So she was finishing her track and field career. Uh, was she there? Uh, no, she was a uh, sprinter and long yeah, cool. So much better athlete than I was. <laughs> so, uh, and say something. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, um, and so, um, you know, kind of got into it. And, and once the coaching really took off, that's where, you know, once her track career was over, because she had no interest in track outside of participation. Right. Um, she wanted to go into broadcast media. Um, she, she, she had a face for TV. And, you know, that's the direction she was going for. And um, and so, really, once her track and field career was over, she was done. Yeah. It was just a chapter in her book. Okay, yeah. moving on to the next thing. Yeah. Well, as for those of us that ran track and, you know, most right. college coaches or any coaches that were, you know, we just kind of bled right into our coaching career, out of our athletic career. And so, that was where, to be very honest with you, she kind of went this way, and I started going that way. And Almost from the get-go. Uh, in that in that, in that respect, you know, yeah. when you're married, right, there's plenty of guys and gals out there that are going to watch this that are not married, not even in serious relationships. Sure. Uh, but a, a marriage is not that simplistic of just, oh, you're married. There are a lot of complexities, oh, yeah. uh, things that you agree on and don't agree on, sure. different uh, um, life goals even. Absolutely. And so it, it's about... Yeah what you're and willing it, to give up and, sure. and blend. So already from near the start, there was that big tension. Exactly. Okay. All right. um, you know, and to be honest, 23 years old, I'm not really, I'm not mature enough Absolutely. to understand those things. 100%. Um, Absolutely. And um, and so there was some stress and strain. We were working at it. We were getting Good. after it. We That's were, marriage you know, right yep. marriages are out. And um, it just, it, it really, it, it came to a head. Uh, at one point where I thought, okay, we're not going to work, you know, but we had, we had a you know, two-year-old son. I'm yeah. like, okay, I, I can't do this. Okay, I was going to ask that. How old was You know, he was about two at the time. Okay. And then, um, and at that point, I got the job offer in Garden City, Kansas. And so that was really kind of a fresh start. And she's from the Houston area. She's from the Houston area. You said you want to be closer to home. Mm-hmm. So now you have this job. You're still married. Still married. You have this job offer to go to Kansas. Kansas. Yeah. Yeah, okay. It was full-time employment, you know, yeah. it was everything that, you know, we're striving to get, right. you know. Um, uh, hold on, everything that maybe you were that, striving to get. Sure, okay. exactly. All right, all yeah. right, okay. Um, and then we, you know, so we moved to Kansas. Things were great. Was just okay. Okay. Yeah. Right. yeah, we all moved okay. together. Okay. This was kind of our, okay, well, we can do this, we can kind of hit the reset button. Right. You know, okay. um, she got a job with a local paper there in town. She wanted to go into the, the, the uh, in the mass comm, the, yeah. the news industry. Right. So she got a job with a local paper there in town, really started, and she still does that to this day. So she's found her calling as a, as a reporter and a writer and an editor. Cool. Uh, yeah. And so, um, you know, something pretty good for a couple of years. Okay. It was new, you know, any, and anytime anything new comes along, you only see the, the, yeah. the butterflies and rainbows. You don't see all the other stuff. It's you know, all positive. Yeah, it's all positive. Until reality. <laughs> Until reality. Until reality. Yeah, and okay. you can relate to this, and being a Duke coach, it is that, you know, you're on call 24-7. Yeah. It's just, you know, um, I learned so much as a college and junior, yeah. as a coach in junior college, and then, you know, one of the things you look at, too, is junior college, you lose half your team every year. Yeah. Right. And so recruiting was just, yeah. and so we were, it was just nonstop. It was not, It was just me and, and an assistant coach. Right. Um, and I probably had three assistants over my time at Garden City. Right. I don't know if that's yeah. a testament to how bad a head coach uh, I was to work Juco. for. Um, or if it's just, you know, they get the JUCO and they're like, all right. So let's set the scene. Okay. All right, so you're in Garden City, Kansas, the yes. head coach of a junior college. You're married with a now three, four-year-old. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, she, is she working? Or she's working for the local paper. Mm-hmm. You're not from, you're not near her home. It's, no. Uh, sometimes Neither one of our or one of us, right? All of our, both our families are uh, You're a small staff, which most of us can relate to on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and JUCO, the added, first of all, JUCO, no real book and things like that. Yeah. But uh, you're right, losing your half your team every sure. year, right? So, uh, how many hours a day? Like, what are you, are you going in the office at 6 a.m., leaving at 10 p.m.? Are you yeah. doing 8 to 5? What are you doing? You, you know, we didn't do early mornings that much. Um, and I had a really great AD. He was a, he was a, a big picture kind of guy. He, wanted, he didn't care. He didn't micromanage. At the end of the year, when you're getting your job done, right. if you're getting your job done and you're not 
breaking what few rules there are that you get out of. Um, so I would come in the office, you know, sometime between 8 and 9, because you had to be working at 8 every day. Um, and then, you know, we had probably, I guess, maybe 50 to 60 kids on the roster, men and women together. Um, you know, me and two coaches, so I would be done coaching every day at, you know, 6 o'clock-ish. Okay. And go into the office and start recruiting and work till it was nothing to sit in the office till 9, 30, 10 o'clock. So it wasn't uncommon at 8 to, we'll call it 9, so you're not seeing her, you're seeing her in the morning at breakfast, in the yep. morning, maybe you're, uh, you know, actually back then we're not even, there's no... Yeah. FaceTime, you know, you know, cell phone. No, there's none of that. Yeah. You may not see them until it's going to go home. You're going straight to bed yeah. at that point. I, you know, I had a little bit of time with Logan during the day because he was at a daycare on campus. Oh, nice. And they would yeah. bring him out to practice. Yeah. That's when the day when the day was done, one of the girls would bring him out to practice. Cool. So he'd hang out with dad at practice. Very cool. You know, and then That's she and I would time. meet up and get him. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes we did dinner. dinner you know, yeah, yeah, right, right. You know. And then I would go back to the office. Did, were you sensing? During those hours, and again, you know, not only is that eight to nine that routine there, but on weekends you're gone. Sure. Were you sensing that she was unhappy at this point? Or it was starting to. And you tell me she was like that. It, 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 it was nothing. It was kind of getting there, yeah. you know. But it was to me, and, and I was very, you know, laser focused on this is what I am trying to do, right. and immaturity on my part not what we were trying. Well, and, and here's something I'm learning about this, Dave, is, yeah, I think for sure there's a maturity. First of all, because yeah. your age and stage of where you sure. were back then, but, you know, there's this, I'm learning more about this idea that being selfless is selfish. Is selfish. So, if you were to step back and, and, and say, if you were to tell the story, hey, I was taking care of 60 other people's kids, and sure. I made sure they were fed, and taking care of them, it's like, wow, what a big heart you have, Dave, and I know you do. Yeah. Uh, it's like, that's amazing, but at the expense that I didn't see my own kid uh, as much as I could or sure. should have, and my wife, and my other family, my parents, and their parents, very selfish. And I think and that's so, yeah. how we justify it in our own mind is, look, I'm not doing look, this for I'm me. Doing, yeah. I'm doing this for everybody else. Right, right. You know, but at the same yeah. time, it's what you want to do. Right. You know? Right, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, so there's this big theme of selfless equals selfish, yes. and it's this tug of war because you can't get one way or the other. You can't be completely selfless without being selfish, and you can't exactly. be selfish without okay. being selfless. Sure. Uh, so it's like this balance of like, do you, how do you go from 51% selfless, 49% <laughs> selfish, over to 51% yeah. selfish? Because you do have to take care of yourself, so you do sure. have to be selfish mm -hmm. in those senses. Uh, okay, so let's let's move forward. We've, uh, okay. we've established we know. You, you, you finally uh, you get divorced. Yes. Okay. Uh, you continue working. We talked about you go through um, uh, Garden City and then Sam Houston. Mm -hmm. uh, are you married now? Now I am. Now you're married. Uh, yeah. Heather. Okay. Heather. Yes. The wrong way. Heather watches this. I get, not, no, no, I get no, a call fine. and I'm in trouble. <laughs> she, you know, what, she, she's smart, I bet. She would actually call my wife. And that's how I would <laughs> Like, what's your husband doing? So now you're married. Logan's 20, 25. Five. Yeah. Um, what are you doing different now? Because you're still coaching. Now you're a head coach of a Division yes. One program. By the way, it's Saturday. You're in Sacramento. I'm in Sacramento. Back I've been here since Nothing Tuesday. Changed, yeah. Nothing. It seems in regards to your job duties. Sure. So, how are you, and are you doing anything different today for your marriage and family? Yes, I am. Okay. But also, it's good to hear. And I have to put, you know, I have to put this in there. I was single for a long time, for almost 12, 13, 14 right. years. Right. You know, and I think God had to go, okay, I'm going to show, I'm going to get you ready for a wife that you yeah. deserve. Right, right. You know, um, and I got very, very lucky in that my wife now, who is also a Division one athlete, and that was part of our discussions early on, like, you know, with Heather, with Heather, with Heather. Because I've been single and coaching for 14 years. Right. Okay. Um, not that I can't change or, you know, right, right, right. but understand this is who you yeah, get. The mold is set at the this point. The mold is set at this point. It worked well for us because, um, you know, she, she'd never been married. Okay. She's, she's, uh, she's a couple years younger than I am. Okay. So she's, she's in her, um, well, not gonna fail. Yeah, yeah, don't, you know, don't get yourself in trouble. A couple years younger than I um, but she kind of understood coming in, being a Division One athlete, she knew right. us not having 
family um, requirements. It lets her travel with me a little more. Meaning kids. Meaning kids. Kids yeah, you yeah. gotta take care of because now Logan's hopefully yeah. he's not like yeah. yeah. Hopefully he's not like that kid that you see on CNN. Yeah, no, no, no. Yeah, yeah. Right? No, no, that's that that not in that at all. That's good, that's good. Um, and, and so that helps out. But at the same time, yeah. on my part, is that um, one of the changes in my yeah, routine you different, right? is that um, when I get done coaching, and I actually coach a little more than I did on the track today, because I coach smaller groups, and I like to do that. Um, I will get done, you know, on the track, usually between 6 and 6.30 every day, and I take about 30 minutes, and I close the door, and I sit in my office, and I just... I decompress. Kind of decompress. You know, yeah, so I get on these yeah. stupid little bunny trails on YouTube. You know, <laughs> stuff that has nothing to do with yeah. coaching. It's just you know, all kinds of good yeah. stuff that I look at. And uh, and now it's like, okay, I'll let her know, hey, I'm on the way home. It's about a 12, 15-minute drive home. Yeah. And uh, we meet. We have dinner. We have dogs now. Right. We, sit on, we sit outside. We kind of decompress, talk together, let the dogs run around. So it seems like, you haven't used these words yet, so correct me if I'm putting words in my head. it seems like you're more intentional now. Absolutely. Like, hey, uh, Heather's at home. Yes. First of all, I don't want to, I like this little 30 minute grabber trail. First yes. of all, there's so many coaches, you know, that's all I do is talk to coaches all yeah. day. And, you know, I was a coach for 10 years. I, like, I, I, dis, I don't want to say I dislike I enjoy more when I'm talking to a coach and we're talking about uh, the latest student YouTube video we watched okay. or uh, a whiskey taste, but I don't know if yeah. you have any experience with that, or, uh, <laughs> you know, um, uh, my kid's baseball game. Not, yeah, you know, I'm recruiting these kids, and, uh, and you know, I'm really struggling, I got this long jumper and just can't get over 20 feet, and, and those are great conversations, but it's like, you, you as a coach, and specifically you, yes. David Silver, as a coach, you're way more than a coach. Absolutely. You, you as a person is sure. way more important and fascinating to me than you as a coach. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're going to have a 20 foot long, just using a long jump as an example, you're going to have a 20 foot long jumper this year. Well, 15 years from now, you're going to have a 20 foot long jumper. You know, oh, yeah. Right? yeah. <laughs> yeah. You get to that point in your career where you look back and you're like, oh, I was so in tune to all these there's kids. There's so much more. But then there's, yeah. you know, there, there, you come along the way. Absolutely. And, and, it so, fascinates me when. I'm talking to a coach, and they're talking about their hobbies and interests that aren't track. You know, they're they're into this or that. Yeah. It's like that's cool. That's what makes you you, yeah. not this title of coach. Yeah. So uh, so okay. So back to that. Okay. So it seems like you. Um, like I love the decompressing. Uh, I think that's a good lesson for people. Like yeah. you know, there there has to be some separation there. Sure, because when you're on the track or, or at the ring or you know whatever, when, when you're coaching, especially in track, you're you're very. You have to kind of flip the switch on, you have to be animated, you have to, right. you know, a lot of times you've got to get going, and then there's times when you have a great session, right. and you're really excited, and you're pumped right. up, and, you're, and then there's times when you have really bad sessions, right. and you're not necessarily angry, but right. you're trying to figure out, and there's some frustration going on, yes. and then, you know, part of the thing with me is I'm very empathetic with my kids, especially, I coach the power, power speed stuff, and the hurdles and things like that, and the kids just not do it. You know they're going to get it, but right. and they're really frustrated that day. Yeah, right. And yeah. and that's one thing that I learned as a coach is I don't, you know, you're not going to beat them in submission. Right. <laughs> you're not right. going to. Right. Is you've got to love on them and say, hey, it's going to yeah. be okay. Right. Early on, you more of the beat it into. Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think there's a lot of people that would say, yeah, yeah, I was, yeah, I was, I was the drill sergeant yeah. from. There may be a couple of older coaches that now watch this going, and I'm still there. I'm still there. Yeah. Okay. So let's keep to the relationship. Okay. So very intentional. So. Uh, now you have an added responsibility. You're not an assistant coach, yes. so you're not just focused on your 10 to 15 athletes or whatnot. Mm-hmm. You are in charge of the whole team, but also, as important, you are in charge of three or four assistant four coaches. Assist- yeah. four assistant coaches. Yeah. Well, I, I, three full-time and a volunteer. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know. So what are do you think about when you're talking to one of your assistant coaches, talking to your assistant coaches of, hey, get out of the office, hey, go spend time with your girlfriend or wife or yes. kids or whatever, or are you just like, hey, you know what, I had to do 100 hours a week when I was yeah. your age, you're going to do 100 hours a week, and you'll learn where I am today, one day in the future. It's a, I don't want to say it's a mix of both, because I still demand a lot out of my assistants, and that's just the nature of, you know, we're a very successful program, and that's what it takes right. to be a successful program. Right. If you're going to be a college coach, and just the way we were both raised is it if 
you're going to do something doing well and doing good. And so it's going to take a lot of long, hard work. There's no doubt about it. But I try to, where I never had a mentor, anyone like that, I will actively tell my guy, look, you know, like especially in the summer. I mean, we do things like, look, there's nothing going on before 10 a.m. that we can't handle. There's really nothing going on after about 2.30 that we can't handle until tomorrow. Go home. So you're having these active conversations. All the time. Are you seeing them push back? And what I mean by that is, hey, I want to be, I don't want to say everybody, but a lot of young coaches, and I was one of them, I want to get to the power five, the big school, so that means I've got to outwork everybody else. So you're telling me 10 to 2, you're trying to hold me back. Yeah, not really. Um, I don't think any of my coaches really aspire to that. They, they may, I don't know, you know. Um, but uh, like you were talking about earlier, all of my assistants are Sam Houston friends. Oh, is that right? So they, have, yeah. they have a vested interest That's in the cool. success of not that. only that program, That's but the university. So, so it's huge. Yeah, yeah. And all of, uh, all of them. Wow. Every single person. That's cool. Yeah, I'm That's the only foreigner on the staff. So, um, <laughs> right. But, uh, so, you know, they're doing things that way. But at the same time, when I have, I have a, my number one assistant, you know, um, he's a little older in his mid-30s. He's single. Okay. Um, I, I have another guy, uh, you know, Johnny Tipton, my throws coach. He's uh, yeah. um, uh, 30-ish in there somewhere. He's got a wife, you know, doing things. And then kind of Bernhardt. You know, um, is single, and you know, he just he's he works all the time. And then uh, Tyler Sunwall does my horizontal jumps. He's also single. He's the youngest of the staff. Um, and so I'm really, really pushing with him, guys. You got to take time away. Yeah. You got because there'll be a time when you crash. Right. Yeah. I, I don't care who you are. Right. Um, and every coach that's listening to this may tell me to go jump in a lake. And you know. Uh, but there will get a point that if you don't learn how to handle it, you will hate trapping people. Right. You will hate it. I was at that point yeah. in my career, right. and I just don't want people to be that way. Right. Trapping people be very good to me. Right. I want to be good to them. Right. Um, but at the same time, you've got to do things. You've got to prioritize things in your life right. where you take a step back away from it. Because yeah. you will get to the point where you're just like, I'm done. Right. Wash your hands. And, and I think it's, it's so easy to fall into that trap as a coach versus other jobs, although we've seen it plenty of times in other jobs, whether it's the business world, teaching world, etc. But in coaching, because we're dealing with a very emotional type of job, athletics. Absolutely. Uh, you know, we grow up with passions of athletics, so it's easy to lose ourselves into that and, sure. and, and justify that, you know, those stereotypical 100 hours a week. Um, and that justification of, yeah, but I'm doing it for, the, like, I'm giving yeah. to these kids. Yeah. And, and I wonder... You know, we, we had a discussion, this would be on the track maybe last month or two months ago now, <coughs> about uh, the codependence that we're, we sometimes create as coaches, that the kid, we had a discussion a little bit the other night, where the kid comes to the coach for everything, out of trouble, academics, uh, mom and dad issues, things like that, yeah. and it's like, first of all, most coaches are not equipped to handle the gamut. You're not a psychologist. You're not an academic advisor. You have to play those parts. Yes, we did. You're not the expert in that. Uh, and so there's a little bit of that, like, how far do we get into this being everything for the kid versus, hey, you know what? I am your sprint coach. I'm here to make you better. You need to get to the academic advisor for this. You need to get to the psychologist for that, whatever. It's up to sure. So there's a little bit of that. Again, it goes. I think it goes back to that balance of selfless versus selfish mm-hmm. uh, of what we do. But you're right. It's, it's very easy to lose yourself in that passion of athletics specifically. So, so I'm going to challenge you. I'm starting to challenge my interviewers as well. Okay. Uh, I think from what I hear, uh, you're you're doing this. I'm going to challenge you to be even more intentional with your history and experience and knowledge, not only in coaching but in the personal life of what coaching can be a negative. Now, I know you would never trade in your marriage and relationship with Heather now. Sure. But I would have to think if you knew what you know now, you would do things differently. Absolutely. Especially when you have a Logan involved. I mean, that just changes the whole game, of course. Uh, That's the selfless part. You know, Logan is why I pour into him, right? Um, So you have all those experiences. 
I'm going to challenge you to be very intentional, not only with your own staff. It's, it's easier to be intentional with your staff because you see them every day. Yeah. Right? Hopefully you're not. That means you're not being intentional yes. <laughs> with them living their own lives. I mean, you see them every day. But also, you have, at this age, there are other coaches that when you were back in the 23, 24 years old, they're looking at you going, he's like, how did you become head coach? I want to be a head coach one day. So they're asking you questions. You're, you're there. Mm -hmm. um, uh, I don't want to call them mentors, because mentors a little bit more full-time, but, you know, they're they're looking at you sure. and asking you questions. I want you to be intentional, not on only just of the profession part. Hey, you know what? Uh, get a good grasp of all the event. You know, don't just poo-poo that. You know, you got to know how to coach it, but understand it. All that kind of good stuff. That's, sure. Those are great advices. Uh, but, hey, uh, what are you doing for your marriage or your relationship? Or what are you doing to look for a relationship? That's you got to look for it before you get it. Uh, what are you doing for your faith? Are you uh, being intentional with the church and uh, your relationship with whoever, whatever you believe in those things? I'm going to challenge you to be more intentional there because you have that experience. I I know you well enough that I, I know I can say this. If you could save someone from going through what you went through and save their children from doing that as well, Absolutely. from what we talked about with Logan, seems like he adapted very, very well. Uh, and again, you guys were intentional with that, which is amazing. Yes. But there's still that there. There's still that there. Uh, and I come from a divorced family, so yeah. I know... When there there are still stresses my son and I have Absolutely. because of that. Absolutely. So yeah. I'm going to just say, just uh, challenge you to be more intentional there. And again, David, and for you guys that are watching this uh, now or, or uh, the, the month from now, because uh, we do see a lot more views after the actual live event, um, I, I can't say thank you enough for being open out there so if you uh, are out there and you're watching us now and you're either um, challenged in a relationship you have because of what you're doing professionally uh, on the track uh, or you're struggling you know I, I coached for 10 years and never had a deep serious relationship because I was moving the whole time I, I coached for 10 years and I was at five different institutions and I just couldn't I didn't allow myself to be vulnerable to get into a relationship because I was like yeah I'm gonna be out of here in 10 years probably you know? my whole thing was step 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 yeah. you know uh, and then when I got out, within a year, I met my now wife in 10 years. Uh, we had a year and a, a little bit over a year of uh, uh, engagement as well. Okay. Um, so, but, but I never, because I knew I would be leaving when I was coaching, I, luckily I was smart enough. I didn't jump into relationship anymore <laughs> and yeah. all that kind of stuff. So, again, thank you so much. But if you, uh, either A, I, I know we've talked about this with David, if you would like to talk to David about this, uh, you know, to kind of... Not necessarily help him. He, he's good right now as far as that. Uh, and you're not the sports psychologist. Remember, even the relationship psychologist. So don't put that hat on. But it, I think he would be available. Be a great resource if you are feeling and you're open to having that discussion right now. Say, hey, I'm struggling with this. Can we talk? Uh, he, they would be a great resource. Uh, they would be the best way for someone to get a hold of um, you. Probably email. Okay. Well, um, and uh, it's dself okay. at shsu.edu. Okay, perfect. You can find me on the website, and I'll tell you now, you'll email me, and it'll be a while. Email me again okay. and say, hey, remember I'm here, All right. and I'll, I will get to it. Okay. I'm... I'm the world's worst about returning emails, but it's the best way to get in touch. You have that phone. That's no excuse. I have right that phone. I, okay. I have no right. excuse. Okay. Um, but uh, feel free to email me, you know, and, and I would love to sit down and you know, talk about things about what I do outside of track. Yeah, you know, I've, I've learned to, you know, I do things that are non-sports related. As a matter of right. fact, when I leave work, yeah. athletics stops for awesome. me. And other things start. My wife is a sports fan, so yeah. she gets to do all that. That's awesome. And her, and her off time. That's good. Uh, yeah. Love to help out your way. Will you, so I know we, we talked about, you just said your email address, and that's great. Will you come back into the comment section and list your email address? Absolutely. Too, just, okay, good, perfect. Sure. So, uh, again, thank you so much. I mean, that's, uh, you know, it's not easy to talk about. Uh, most people would not be able to. I appreciate your trust with me with that, and then also your trust with the community. You know, they're they're going to see this. Well, you know, you there's things that, that, went, that I went through that I could, which are really some of the darkest, most hurtful times of my life. Understand. And if I can help keep someone else yeah. going through that, you know, that's the reason it happened to me. Is maybe I can use those experiences to help someone else. Right. And you know what? Uh, and, and, and I'll gladly do what I can. That, that is the definition of selfless. Absolutely. That's great. Uh, thank you so much. So our last section here for this interview is um, something that uh, maybe David is struggling with or uh, would like 
a greater conversation with, with uh, other people out there. This is the, the open your network type of uh, section of the interview. So there's people out there that don't know David, uh, that may um, have some experiences with what we're going to discuss now. Uh, again, reach out to him for email. Email him, I guess, five or six times. He'll finally get back to you or whatnot. But, uh, but even maybe greater so if you're at a meet and you see him this would be uh, the great opportunity to go up and introduce yourself you know, you know hey saw you be on the track or whatever uh, can i call you can we go grab a beer or whatever uh, that, that's where the true benefit of this group uh, is in my opinion is that expanding the network uh, aspect so um, david we talked about this before we started uh, here about something that you're struggling with uh, i'm gonna let you explain it as it was about um Maybe not interacting, but relating sure. to today's, we're going to say 16 through 22 year olds. you got to recruit them before you get them and hopefully they're graduated by their 22 or 23. Talk, talk a little bit about that. Well, it's really been a transition of where I came as a coach. It is, I've always been able to you know, make really great connections. Not that I can't still, I've just had to change how I do it. Yeah. Um, great connections with the kids, building relationships, you know, really... Um, you know, kind of be the cool coach, you know, for lack of a better term. And as I moved into now, the, you're the cool. No, well, no, I'm not. Oh, okay, I was going to. I'm the old great. I was going to challenge you on that. No, 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 I'm not. The, I've had to be the more. I don't want to say authoritarian. That makes it sound like I'm just a guy with a gavel. Right. Um, but you know, I'm the head coach. I make the and I'm the, I have to make decisions that people don't like. Right. And uh, so sometimes, um, you know, that's that's a little tough. But right. it's just. You know, relating to how I get some of these kids that are much different than me as far as how they're brought up, how they do right. things. Um, you know, especially with me in the power speed and the sprints and hurdles, I deal not completely, but let's be honest, you know, different socioeconomic groups of kids that um, are, are much different than how I was raised. And in lots of aspects, just educationally okay. at home and in how I can. Whereas, like we talked about earlier, I used to be the authoritarian, and I've had to learn that it's more through love and I'm, I'm pulling kids along instead of pushing right. them along, and just getting them to buy into what right. I do. Trust is a huge issue right. as far as the success between a coach and an athlete, right. and that's where, you know, I spend a lot of time just trying to get kids to trust me. Right. I hate to use the term. I'm not a you know trusting the process. Yeah, yeah. And, and just realizing that it's it's a long term right. journey that we're on. Right. Not we can't do three or four workouts and it be better. Right. It's you know right, right. it's layering. Right. Sure. Yeah. So let me say something back to you that I heard. It's, it's, it's kind of this uh, dichotomy is the right word, but similarities as well. So what I heard you tell me, we have no tell, so we can go back and watch okay. that when you were a younger coach, you were more of the authoritarian, yes. as I say, type of coach. But yet you were because you were in their closer to their age bracket, twenty-five to thirty-ish, that you could relate. You didn't use the term buddy, but I'm gonna use that term. Like, yeah, more friendly. Okay. sure. So, so those two things, right? To today, you say you're now the authoritarian, more of the authoritarian because you're the oh, let me finish. Hold on, yeah, yeah, okay. the authoritarian of the uh, uh, because you're the head coach, mm-hmm. but yet you've learned this, which is huge in my opinion. This empathy side of love, like you use that word yes, love, which is absolutely. Huge. You didn't use that when you were younger to describe when you were younger. You used mm-hmm. that now, which I love. So you see how the, you're saying both the same things. Yes. Yes. And, and, and I guess it's more the it, it is. How you how you deal with kids in practice and how they it's just getting them to kind of buy and maybe it's just because I'm old you know I, you know I'm not you know most of my staff is younger right. and they have different type of relationship with their kids right. um, is um, I guess it's how I do right. whereas I was very you have to you have to right. and basically now I kind of lay it out to the kids but look these are what the great athletes do. And if you want to be one of these people, right. these are the things you have to do. Not that I'm not going to help you get there, right. but these are choices that you have to make. So what if I said it this way? I like, I'm glad I said it the way I said it because that helped explain it to, to some people that understand. So here's now what I heard. When I was younger, I told you what to do. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's almost like this too. That's a big. You know, it was no, it was the now. It's there are there are a set of guidelines and rules. Yes, and I now. You, you have to abide by those rules. And if you don't, then that's when I got to step in. That's when I got to step in. Yeah, exactly. Very different. So 
would you also say that uh, maybe a part that's worked, not only you know, your age and stage and your career now and your position, being a head coach versus assistant coach, things like that, uh, but the, what, what do you think about the way communication is different 2018 versus, oh gosh, 2008, but let's go back to 1998. Sure, yeah. Before cell phones, social media, etc. Yeah. Um, well, to be honest with you, one of the biggest things that I have is one of my strong points as a recruiter when I was great on the phone. That's when I was up at the office late at night. I could call kids, and verbal communication is not the primary means of communication today. Today, right. with this younger generation. Or this. It's right. more, they talk with their thumbs, not with their mouths. Right. Well, I don't do that. Uh, I, I'm, I'm, I hope you can tell we've kind of had lengthy conversations yeah. here. And, um, and so I've had to learn that I've got to do most of my stuff electronically in the okay. front side. Okay. Once I get them face-to-face, right. then we can kind of open up. Okay. But it's, it's, uh, it, that's been the struggle. Is, is It used to be you could call you. kids, you could ask them open-ended questions. Right. Hey, tell them about what And now, literally, you can call a kid and you'll be yeah. No. Yeah. Well, uh, hey, so that's important because I'm, I'm going to disagree with David on this. Okay. Uh, and I want to hear what you think out there. If you're watching this right now, so David said that in today's world, younger uh, people, again, that 16 to 22 year old bracket, we're going to say, um, are just yeses and nos, the type of answers. And, and he's generalizing, so I'm yeah. not holding it that yeah. every. Verbally. Not All every. Kid, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not going to say every kid. I'm just saying, sure. you're speaking in generality versus the previous generation, you get I'm going to say that when I was a kid, talking to an adult, I was a yes or no kid, and I, think, and I would bet that you were as well. Oh, I don't think technology changes us. I think technology exposes us. There's a saying that, um, you know, with the cell phone, uh, you know, a couple will be at dinner and they're both Mm-hmm. on their cell phone. They're not even talking. Well, I would say that that same couple would go back to the 1980s would still not be talking. They'd just be eating or watching the TV in the diner or whatever. Sure. But, I, could, I would agree with that. Yeah, and Absolutely. So it's, it's interesting that we talk about in today's generation, I'm getting off on the soapbox here, uh, getting on a soapbox, that today's generation, they're less communicative. Like, so we just said, right? They're yes, no, yes. right? They're less communicative. They're, they're, uh, they're more uh, isolated because they don't interact. But yet, we are in maybe the most communicative era ever because you can't, because then we'll complain about, well, I, I'm never off. My cell phone's always on my exactly. iPad, my computer. Sure. Uh, when you smart, you're not wearing a smartwatch. I, you know, I, smart yeah, I have crossed over to that. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, coming, yeah. but, you know. I mean, we're talking about people putting glasses on, uh, contacts that you can see, and things like that. So it, it's, it's this weird, we complain about the kids are so isolated. And I'm saying kids in that respect, but yet... They talk, you know, they're on Twitch talking to people in Japan, and, you know. Mm-hmm. So it, I, I honestly don't believe technology changes us. I think it exposes us. If you were a introvert, you weren't going to communicate with people. It don't matter if you have five cell phones, you ain't going to do that. If you were a talker, which you are, and I mean in a good way, you're going to continue being on that You're going to maybe struggle with the short form, the text, but as soon as you get to a longer form, like you would be really good at some type of video blogging. Topic. Yeah, give you a topic and go because you can see a lot of angles with it. Mm-hmm. You would not be real good on Twitter. <laughs> no, <laughs> Maybe now they have 260 I, characters. You got a little bit more yeah, room to no, go. And I know. I don't have like, uh, <laughs> I, my whole interaction with the Twitterverse is through our team page. Yeah. I don't have a personal Twitter. Right, right, right. Yeah. No. yeah. <laughs> I can see that. You'd, yeah. you'd have those, uh, you know, 10 Twitter tweet yeah. uh, <laughs> conversations. Like, exactly. it doesn't work on Twitter, right? Uh, well, hey, so uh, if you have similar experiences to what David's talking about. Um, the theme really there was communicating with today's youth, um, whether they have changed because of technology or whether you believe, you know what, I think they're the same, they're just maybe communicating different, it's just exposing who they are. Uh, but if you uh, would love to have a conversation with David about that, uh, again, he'll put his uh, email address down here in the comments. Uh, if you go back and watch this whole thing, you'll hear this email address. Uh, but again, also very important, if you see that track me uh, coming up here in the you know, next season or whatnot, please uh, just introduce yourself to him. He won't bite, I promise. No, I don't. Uh, but uh, definitely, like I said, the expansion of network is uh, a huge part of what uh, this group can be. Remember, this group is uh, started for you guys. I primed the pump with conversations and interviews. But overall, if you in this group don't invite people, uh, actually interact and comment with the different topics, start your own 
topics inside the group, uh, it'll end up just dying, and which we just won't have. I mean, that's just, just the way it is. So, uh, again, thank you so much, David, for joining us, man. I can't thank you enough, uh, again, for really bearing and opening yourself uh, up for that. Uh, I, I know for a fact that someone was helped by today's conversation. I, I, I know it. There's no way it, it couldn't, uh, couldn't have helped. Uh, so again, thanks for joining us. Uh, I'm here in Sacramento. Actually, I'm here now. It's about Wednesday, but then I go to Oregon. Uh, if you're interested in uh, having a candid conversation about uh, you and your life and uh, allowing that to help others, uh, please reach out to me either in the comment section or on my cell phone. Uh, if you don't know how to get a hold of me, guys like David Doak, dude, ask them. Uh, or just message me on Facebook. I'm glad to give you my cell phone number. We'd love to have a few more interviews while we're up in Oregon. And then uh, once we get to summer, we'll do more uh, back to the Facebook style. So, again, thanks for joining us. Um, hey, another thing I'm going to ask. How am I? I want some feedback from you on my style. Is this awkward? Yeah. How close we are? Is it, does that throw you off? You don't like watching that? Uh, you prefer Facebook? Can you hear? We're in Starbucks and the music is uh, super, super loud here. So uh, hopeful that the volume is carrying here. Uh, are the questions? Do you think this format is working? But if you have any feedback, we'd love to hear you down here in the comment section. Uh, again, I want to make this as uh, best as I can for, for you guys out there. Again, so, David, thanks right. again, man. Let's Thank go you. on the truck. Let's get to work. Sounds good. <laughs> have a great day. Uh -huh.